You're listening to Legends Cast, a podcast about the cards, the meta, and the community of the Legends of Runeterra. This episode is brought to you by listeners like you. To become a supporter of the show, visit patreon.com slash legendscast. Let's do this. Hello and welcome to Legends Cast. This is a podcast about the cards, the meta, and the community of the Legends of Runeterra. Uh, my name is Ian, or Dead Broke Nerd, and with me is my exceptionally creative and eternally optimistic co-host, uh, Brendan, a.k.a. Gibbles and Bits. Gibby, what's up, man? How you doing tonight? I'm good, man. How about you? That was a great gargly entrance you just gave there. Mark would be proud. Uh, yes, I, I certainly hope so. I, I always aspire uh, to have his level of grace under pressure, especially the pressure of introducing the show, which this is the first show I've ever introduced. And that is because our uh, fearless leader, uh, Mark, was unable to make it at the last minute tonight. Uh, as far as I know, everything's all good, but he just had a couple really important commitments he had to hit. Uh, and fortunately, that's the benefit of having a second co-host, uh, or I, th- I guess a third co-host, three, three of us. There's three of us, okay? And because there's three of us, it's all gravy if uh, if something happens. So that, that that's the benefit, man. It's like you guys brought me in for a specific reason or something. Yeah, literally so that we can both like ditch whenever we feel like it. It's amazing. Yeah, and then I'm, <laughs> all, and then I'm always on the hook. Essentially, I am now the uh, in-house scapegoat to make sure that the, that the show keeps rolling, that's that, right. Uh, That's the pomp right. and circumstance keeps going. I've got my hat. I've got my cane. I'll just dance around the stage until you guys come back. <laughs> Perfect. See, we're already in a great spot, man. So, hey, look, uh, it, this was a big week for Runeterra. Uh, I know Mark really wanted to be here. We have a lot of uh, discussion points. But I guess the first thing I want to ask is uh, with this new event going on, we talked a little bit last week about who would declare what, whether we would declare for the Sentinels or for the Ruination. What did you choose, sir? I uh, actually went against what I said I was going to do last week. I was saying that I was going to go the Sentinel side. Um, but the, to be fair, that was before I understood fully what the event pass was going to look like. I was mm-hmm. somewhat optimistic that there would be a skin or two um, mm-hmm. in the event passes, and that might drive my decision. Looking at some of the previews for the skins, I was more excited about the champions that were getting the Sentinel skins. Mm-hmm. Than they were than I was the ruination skins, so I if if they were a part of the event pass, I would have been sold on the Sentinel side very easily. But as we all know now that the, it's right. been released, there weren't any skins in there. Those continue to be a premium uh, add-in or a premium kind of buy that you can just find in the shop um, at a pretty expensive price, if you ask me. <laughs> but th- yeah. I ended up going the ruination side. I am ruined to gibbles and bits, which yeah, is not hard for me because I love spoopy stuff. Yeah, Ruined Gibby uh, is, is over here. I happen to know that uh, Mark also went uh, went Ruination. And if you recall last week, I had no ab- absolutely no clue or no preference. Um, and so um, it did come down to what the event pass offered. And the only difference between the two was, if I understand correctly, the prismatic champion that you get. Because y- you get one or the other. Um based on whichever side you, you pick. And mm-hmm. so between Viego, uh, the Shirtless Wonder, uh, and Akshan, uh, 
the other semi-shirtless wonder, uh, I decided to go with my master thief buddy. So I declared for the Sentinels, making me the minority on the podcast in terms of uh, which side we're on. So we need to update the Legends cast logo and update everything else to the ruined Legends cast. Oh my gosh. Actually, why didn't we think of doing that last week? That would have been dope. We should have we should have become the ruined Legends cast and then we should have made it known that you were the <laughs> you were the outcast. I am the sentinel holding back the darkness. I've already vanquished my first foe in Mark. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's why there's only two that's, of us. That's why there's only two of us. Um, yeah, well, that that's awesome, man. Um, I, I think it's a, it's been a really neat event so far. I love the emotes. I think they're some of my favorites um, that we've seen. There's some really dope ones out there. Um, but uh, but let me ask, what, what have you been playing this week? So that's a very interesting and loaded question. Mm-hmm. I think I have laddered. I've been focused on laddering more than I ever have. And that's a fantastic thing for me. I feel very good about that. So I didn't really touch ladder much, if at all, last mm-hmm. um, last season. And that led to me starting at a pretty low rank. I'm almost positive I was the bottom of bronze. Oh, so no. <laughs> I was starting back from the bottom and mm-hmm. had to work my way all the way back up. As of today, I'm sitting at plat two, which is awesome. I feel very good, very good about that. I will probably continue to try to make that push for diamond. Um, but I've been playing quite a variety of decks and I I know we're going to talk about this later, so I won't go super heavy into it, but I've been playing, I think my philosophy has changed a bit about the way that I've been playing my decks or what decks I've been playing. I always feel so bad or feel dirty when there are a couple super powerful decks out there that are just clear cut above the rest like we've seen for the past couple of seasons. Mm-hmm. Talking about um, um, Thresh Nasus, talking about Azira Aurelia, um, talking about um, Lissandra Control, like TLC. Sure. So even when, when those have been so prominent and so above the cut, I felt bad playing them. So I was was focusing on off meta decks or I was focusing on once those kind of settled out counter meta decks. But now because things have opened up so much, I don't necessarily, and it seems to be a little bit more of a balanced spot. I feel less apologetic about playing meta decks because there Mm. are more counters to them. I'm not winning all of my games because my deck is just so much better than the opponents. So I've been playing some Sivir Zed which helped me ladder a little bit. Previously before that, I was trying out LeBlanc and Sivir, um, but I found that I liked the Sivir Zed deck a little bit more, and I kind of made a couple uh, tech card changes in my own list. Um, But before that, and I probably what's worth talking about the most, is I tweaked for the first like four days of the expansion. I was working with Viego Hecarim Ephemerals. I'm still playing that deck. I love that list. Ephemerals always hit a sweet spot for me. It's a very fun archetype. It's a very interesting archetype that I also feel like takes a little bit of skill, of pilot skill to to run properly. Um, And also deck building skill too, to make it work. And I toyed around for a good three or four um, days. I also had some help uh, from a couple members of our community, specifically shout out to, uh, to Matrum. Matrim and I were, were working on it quite quite heavily and kind of bouncing lists off of each other, but was working on a list that I feel is in a pretty good spot now. And it's heavily what got me to platinum. 
So I, I ran that list quite often. Viego is really good on the top end. And just as we were theorizing before the actual expansion came out, the Hecarim on five into Viego on six swing or vice versa, Viego on five, Hecarim on six, depending on who you get, mm-hmm. swing with all of Hecarim's stuff and him, even if he dies or him and all the ephemerals dying and then the the ephemeral that spawns with Viego on board, um, we'll say 75% of the time levels up Viego. And then at that point, it's a very uphill battle for your opponent. So been really loving that deck. Um, it's been predominantly, I would say, what I've what I've been most proud of and playing a lot of since the expansion. So um, that's cool. Um, but what about you? Have you been spending a good amount of time brewing anything or or sitting on ladder? Yeah. Uh, so it's interesting. Uh, you and Mark are both crushing the ladder this season. I have uh, I have really not uh, played much ladder until the last day or two. Um, so I'm trying to. Uh, I like you. I got dumped all the way down into bronze because I barely played last season on uh, ranked. I mostly played um, labs, to be honest. Um, so I, I've been kind of coming back just the last couple of days and um, I, I've memed around a little bit. Um, mostly uh, I, I built that uh, ruined uh, Reckoner, a uh, retired Reckoner mm-hmm. um, list with uh, the gems and with Riven and oh, uh, um, Riven, it's yeah, it's Riven and Tarek with the oh. retired Reckoner. It's a ton of fun. It's really fun to get three like beefy, overwhelmy, just massive units. Tarek's a great recipient for the blade if you reforge it, even if Riven's not there. Obviously, you can slap it on the Reckoner. You've got natural protection or Targon. I will say the meta, the meta, it's a little slow. For the current environment, I think that we're going to talk about the meta a little bit later, but the meta is uh, fast to mid range. There's really not a lot of control out there. Um, so, you know, the beat down components take a little longer to assemble than other combos, and it kind of wants to play a more board centric uh, Lee Sen strategy, which at the end of the day, you're probably better off just for wins uh, playing Lee Sin in almost an identical package. Um, so uh, it, 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 you know, it's about maybe 50% win rate, uh, which I generally, I mean, if you're down in, in bronze and silver, if I'm down in bronze and silver, if I'm having a 50% win rate, I shouldn't be playing that deck. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> um, uh, but, but then I actually have, uh, today I've pivoted and just started playing, um, one of my, one of my all time favorite decks, a, uh, a Gibbles and Bits creation, uh, which is beach bonanza. Ooh. And, uh, I've brought that back out of, uh, and, and dusted it off and uh, it's summertime, baby. Let's go to the beach. And I, I, I've been crushing with it. Uh, I'll just be honest. Um, Made some changes. You know, back when we made it originally, Gibby, we didn't have a ton of great one-drop options um, that kind of fit what needed to what needed to happen. Um, I, I do think, you know, in hindsight, we overlooked the um, uh, one-mana Fearsome Elusive for the benefit of triggering Jagged Taskmaster. Oh, the Prowling Cutthroat? Prowling Cutthroat's in there now, and I'm, I'm totally not regretting it. Uh, but I also just found myself, uh, I made some revisions because I found myself wanting more one-drops in there. Um, so I, I've added a couple more one drops and uh, and really have just been uh, kind of largely crushing with that. I, I think that it has a because it's like this all in aggro, it has this favorable matchup into, um, you know, some of these combo centric things, even the combos that are coming off like in the mid game. Uh, but then it also I think that 
has a natural level of for an all in aggro deck. It has a lot of decisions to make because you're constantly trying to choose between how wide to send your board versus how vulnerable to, to make your board, you know, how much you want to commit to each attack or, you know, do you want to put more units down before attacking and give them the initiative to drop a defender? Or do you want to attack open swing, not get as much damage, but then drop plunders like that, you know, for an all in aggro deck, it's very dynamic, which I, I love about it compared to something like, you know, the, the, uh, the Darius burn deck, sure um, Azir burn deck that, that was out there for a while. So I've been loving that of course. And, um, you know, you and I can can kind of. I'll I'll, I'll send you my, my changes later. Yes, please. Uh, but uh, but that's mostly what I've been playing. We do, I think, want to jump into a few announcements now, though. If you unless you have anything else of your uh, of your your week in Runeterra that you wanted to to jam about. Um, I don't think I do. I think I'm good. All right, announcements. It is. Um, so I'll try to get this through. Uh, get through this quick, guys, because uh you won't be able to listen to Mark's lustrous voice. Uh, so you have to listen to me first announcement, of course, is our legends cast discord league. So that is going to be the registration for that is going to be closing on Friday. So this will come out uh, probably on Wednesday, which means you have two days left to sign up for our discord league. Last episode, I went through the entire description of how it works. If you haven't listened to that, go back and, uh, and check it out. It's in the first um, quarter of the episode. Uh, you can also find a complete description in our Discord page. You just go over to the League General and find it. You'll find it in the pinned tab. Um, you can go and sign up there. There is a, uh, a little sign-up sheet that you can sign up for. Just make sure that you have your correct um, Runeterra ID with like the, uh, the number associated and the region associated with it. I'll let you guys know right now we have a good amount, like uh, over 20, I think 25 or something like that, um, NA players signed up. Uh, we have, uh, and of course, we always have those stragglers at the end, so I'm, I'm guessing it's going to be over 30. Um, right now, we don't have a lot of EU people, so if uh, we, we I, sa I said it last week, uh, we have to get at least 12 EU players. Um, we're getting there, but uh, if you are an EU player and you haven't considered signing up yet, better do so soon um, and get get that um, get those groups up so we can we can run an EU bracket. Um, yeah, for any of you EU players, even if you've got some scrub friends who don't play LOR and you want to introduce them to LOR, mm -hmm. what a way to do it. Grab them for the tournament, stomp them into the ground, and then get yourself uh, some some from some good stuff. There you go. Perfect. You heard it from, uh, from Gibbles and Bits himself. Um, second announcement, um, just as always, um, I, I don't have any. If, if there was one, we're, we'll read it next week. But as always, I wanted to remind everybody that iTunes reviews are one of the best ways to help us out. Uh, and it's totally free to do. So if you haven't yet, please leave an iTunes review. If you leave us a five-star review, we'll read whatever it is that you write within reason. Uh, so if you guys, uh, as long as it's not, uh, uh, profane or inappropriate, we will absolutely read, uh, what you write. If you leave us a five-star view on iTunes, because that helps us remain, um, the highest rated LOR podcast on the air. Uh, it also hurts if you use a Hotmail account because Mark doesn't like that. So don't. Yeah, and if you do either. a Hotmail account, you're guaranteed to get, uh, to get airtime because, uh, whether you leave a one or a five-star, Mark will make fun of you. Um, so if you're a glutton for punishment go ahead and sign up for that Hotmail account. Mm -hmm. um, besides that, we do, of course, want to, as always, thank our Patreon supporters. It is amazing. You know, no matter how much that you guys support, even if it's just a nickel, 
um, we are very thankful and grateful. Um, you know, we'll, we'll have a drawing, I think, next month. Um, but of course, if you're unaware, if you support us on Patreon, you will get access to a raffle to win some dope Legends Cast swag, um, which Mark will mail to you. Um, you also will have access to our episodes of The Mulligan. Now, we've had a lot of people asking about The Mulligan recently. And, you know, um, that's honestly pretty makes me happy because it means that, you know, somebody liked it. Uh, Mark and I are definitely uh, getting back to that. We have not been able to get on a schedule to do that recently, but we're absolutely going to record a couple episodes of the Mulligan and, you know, maybe backfill a couple extra episodes for you guys uh, that have been waiting. Um, lastly, our Twitter, Gibby, uh, you've been taking charge of that. It's been fun. Uh, you've been very active on Twitter. I love it. It's uh, it's a big change for us. Uh, tell us about that. I've been enjoying it. Um, quite honestly, this is my first not only my first uh, time using the uh, uh, Twitter for Legends Cast, this is really my first time for Twitter in general. Um, Ian probably knows this, mm-hmm. uh, but my other uh, Twitter account that I had of my actual name, I think over the course, I think I made it when I started college back in like 2012 or 2013, I sent about a total of three tweets, three <laughs> tweets total on the account, and then just stopped doing it. I just didn't find a lot of value in Twitter, but... With this for the podcast, I'm actually finding I've got something naturally that I want to talk about, which is the game, um, connecting with people. I've uh, been been tweeting at some of the the top players and um, some other staff members on Riot and things like that, um, trying to connect and build some some connections and establish some connections. I've seen some of you all reach out and uh, follow the the Twitter account. We really appreciate that. For anybody who is on Twitter and hasn't done it yet, please go on Twitter, look up Legends Cast. Uh, on Twitter and follow us. We will follow you back. Mm-hmm. And um, whenever we start posting stuff, keep the dialogue going. Feel free to have your input on on the tweets that we make or the things that we retweet um, and, and just keep the conversation going. I'm always happy to chat with people on Twitter. I'm usually looking at it a couple times a day now. And um, we love that. That engagement really helps us get recognized out in the community mm-hmm. and connecting with other streamers, with other uh, prominent members of the community that's going to help us maybe even bring some people in on the show too so that is another really good way to help the show is by continuing the engagement with us uh, on that account on twitter so love to see it um hope to see you guys more on twitter and you'll definitely be seeing me yeah plus if you if you follow uh on twitter and and, and take a look at it you'll see gibby's spicy brews he'll he'll drop you some deck deck codes if you ask. So, uh, so definitely mm-hmm. check that out. Um, that's it for announcements. See, I got through it pretty quick. I, I'm pretty proud of myself there. Mark would be proud. You're being efficient. I'm efficient as heck tonight. My goodness. Yes. Um, so next we're actually going to go into a short segment that I have created. I am always interested in looking back at some of the predictions that we make. And I think there is no better time than, uh, only a week after a, uh, a new, a uh, little mini expansion and another week after a full size expansion drops uh, that it's time for us to uh, to take a glimpse back at this last round of cards and see what we said and think about uh, whether we were right or not. So this is a new segment called One Right, One Wrong, and we're going to break down one right prediction and one wrong prediction we had from the last batch of cards. Showtime! Okay, so Gibby. I'm going to start with you. And, you know, I was really interested to to hear Mark's on this. Um, I, may, I may have to ask him just, you know, 
text him and, and, uh, and see what he would have said. Um, but uh, we're, we're going to start with the uh, with the wrong. You know, you know it's like that uh, that old thing. Like, do you want the good news first, or the bad news first? I'm picking Always for pick you. You want the bad news first. Yeah. Uh, you got to end so, on a high note. <laughs> so so what is uh, the one uh, card prediction uh, or, or whatever uh, that you were wrong about about this last batch? And for the last batch, I'm thinking the Ruination event and the last round of the um, passion. Right. Yeah. Well, no, the last round of the expansion. So not just um, oh, not yeah. So so the whatever. Um, so including like all the lurk whatever. stuff. Oh, the, the, the rise of the underworld. Yeah. Rise of the underworld. I can never remember set names in this game because they're part of the bigger set. Uh, rise of the underworld and uh, ruination event. One right, one wrong. What's your wrong? Oh goodness. Okay. Um, I think I wasn't ex- I wasn't expecting to do include all of the the uh, rise of the underworld expansion. So my might be a little bit nearsighted or a little short-sighted on my picks. But nonetheless, one that I was wrong on, I think you and Mark, if I remember correctly, on the last episode of the podcast, evaluated the card, I think, pretty spot on, pretty correctly. Mm-hmm. You were you were pretty um, low on the card. I think maybe Mark was in the middle, but kind of leaning towards your side. And I was high on the card. Um, was a uh, seven drop coming from Sharima, the Thrumming Swarm. I thought a little bit more highly of that card. I thought that looking at Sharima's weaknesses mm-hmm. with them not really having great finishers and not having good card draw and but them still being widely used as a as a as a region uh, whether it be a complement or the main half of a of a of a deck, they have quite a presence in some strong decks and we still are seeing that in the meta which even then furthers my uh, my wrongness on this card <laughs> is that we're seeing plenty of Sharima decks and Thrumming Swarm is nowhere to be found in any of them, which means that it is a lot weaker than uh, than I assumed it to be for the for everybody who doesn't know what that card is because you probably haven't seen it because it's not important. is is a seven cost uh, unit with eight attack and four defense overwhelm. That says when I'm summoned, create a copy of me in hand if you've leveled a champion this game. So essentially it would continue to create copies of itself in hand and you would swarm it out, just as the name says. And I thought that to be uh, a decent finisher and solve a problem that Sharima has. And we haven't seen it really at all. It just might be a little bit too slow. As you mentioned earlier, we're in kind of an aggro mid-rangey meta. So it might just be we don't need a stall tool. We don't need a Mm-hmm. Um, that's not a stall tool, but we don't need a payoff at the end of stalling a game where you can just pump in the rest of the damage because you're continuing to play a seven drop every single turn. Um, so yeah, I was wrong on Thrumming Swarm. <laughs> hey, you know, uh, it, it takes a big man to admit it. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, so I, I will do my my incorrect one, and and this one I, I'm not gonna lie, I'm pretty embarrassed about. Now I'm embarrassed uh, because I make fun of Mark all the time uh, for not reading the cards right. <clears throat> and uh, I misread this card bad. Now, mm. do do I think this... I, I want to amend... I said this card was was bad. I said it was bad. I, I don't... I'm not convinced it's like OP, but it's definitely not bad. You're really selling your soul on this one and just... and and. Just absolutely doing a 180. It sounds like I don't even know what the card is. Yeah, no, it, it's a 180. Uh, Defiant Dance. 
I I blasted this card when we first previewed it. I said like, oh, this is bad. It's a good thing it's bad because Zerelia is broken. So it's good that they're getting a bad card. Um, I was wrong and I apologize because I read Defiant Dance as recall an ally Blade Dance 1. It definitely does not have that ally part in there. And I don't know where I got it from. I have no clue why I read it that way. Uh, Because it definitely can recall uh, an enemy. Uh, And uh, I I have lost to this a couple times now. I saw Mark lose to it a couple times on stream. And uh, yep, yep. It's like now basically between Homecoming, this, and Will of Ionia... Uh, the four mana recall enemies uh, is is very very much alive. It's strong. And I just think that that uh, uh, I I just can't believe I I completely read this card the wrong way. Uh, so <laughs> uh, to your credit are... and to be fair, uh-huh. I read the card correctly and I still thought it was weak. Well, and I was wrong too. Apparently, well, you know, um, here we have it, folks. Uh, Gibby was wrong about two things. Uh, and I was only <laughs> wrong about one thing. So really, I I am. Uh, this is why I'm the sentinel, out. guys. This is why I'm the sentinel, and I'm holding my my ruined uh, counterparts uh, uh, ass to the flames here. Uh, <laughs> no, um, yeah. The so define dance. Movie. I was just like, I'm I'm embarrassed. I can't believe I completely uh, misread that because I am always giving Mark a hard time <laughs> about reading the cards wrong. Uh, so, uh, so Gibby, uh, redemption time. Okay. You can, you can renew your ruined soul by telling us what the card is, uh, that you feel you were right about with your prediction. All right. Especially on the, on the ruined side, let me emerge from the mist and, um, stay with the theme. And while I was one wrong about one seven drop, Boy, howdy, was I right about the other one. Um, Invasive Hydrovine. You guys were not very high on, and I said, I I went out on a limb, and I said, that card is going to be a finisher, is going to be Mm -hmm. fantastic. When you look at the context of how it's played, it does. You were were happy with the fact that it did something on play. I liked it. Which which was good. But I, I went on a limb and say, this card is going to make a deck it's going to make a deck good in the middle to late game especially with viego and it will be a good reason as to why he gets leveled in several games if he doesn't get leveled within a turn or two of him coming down this card is great and i can say this from the perspective of having played so much with the viego hecarim deck that i built and toyed around with for so long Mm -hmm. which i will be happy to share again if anybody wants it if you haven't already seen it in deck deck I'll put it on Twitter. Um, it is a great card. So just to read the read the text, seven cost fearsome when I'm summoned or uh, start. When, when I'm summoned or round start, summon an encroaching mist. So every single so upon play, and then every single time a turn starts, or if you kill it and resummon it, it creates an encroaching mist. Now, if you've played previous encroaching mists in the game with Viego, it gets better and better and better. And it will create larger encroaching mist which count towards his level up or just puts presence on board it is in a is a a a, not oppressive it is a is a tough to deal with card Mm -hmm. especially if they choose to not attack with it which in some cases you're not you just allow it to sit and you just use the mists as fodder to make them either respect your board 
and respect your attacks or just defend with and just eat the things that they've got on board. So it's a fantastic card. I felt very good about that and the way that that card panned out. And anytime I'm playing anything with Mist, there will be three copies in my deck, even at a seven drop. Yep, that what tracks. About, what tracks. about you, my Sentinel, sir? What did you get right? Um, you know, I don't know how many people... I didn't really listen to the discourse on this. I just remember being so confident that this was a good card, and a lot of people were like, meh. And I, I don't want to throw anyone under the bus, but I'm pretty sure one of you two were like, meh, on this. Um, and, and I've, I'm, I'm feeling very, uh, very happy because I, I just was, I, I knew in my soul that this was a good card or at least a playable card, you know, uh, and that's going to be treasure seeker. So treasure seeker being the one mana two one Sharima follower that says when I'm summoned, create a waking sands in hand. Waking sands is the two mana slow spell that summons a sandstone charger. So treasure seeker is seeing play in two of the top decks right now um it's a it's a three by in zed siver and it's a uh, well at least on on some of the list a two or three by in azir aurelia so it's a three by in uh leblanc siver as well i believe uh, might be um here's the thing guys i i i actually wrote uh when i played tessel um i wrote a uh, an article kind of analyzing uh, one drops in Tesla. Now it's a very different system, so it's and a lot of it doesn't cross over. Um, but my my point of analysis was that in Tesla, one drops tended to not be played very much, which is very different from this game. Um, in Tesla, because there was a you know you don't have that shared turn. It, one person takes a turn, the next person takes a turn, back and forth, back and forth. Um, they had this kind of um, Similar to Hearthstone's coin, you had a ring mechanic where you actually got three charges of it if you went second, and you could use it at any point, um, at use a charge uh, to get an extra mana for that turn. So basically, it rendered two drops um, significantly more powerful than one drops because you would almost always prefer to play a two drop than a one drop. But there were certain situations in which that norm was broken, and almost entirely the one drops that were played in that game were one drops that put something in your hand didn't matter what it was one drops that put something in your hand even something as small as a as a one mana give plus one attack were Extended played value. as three buys in a lot of decks so i mean a lot of people looked at this card and looked at the waking sands and were like no one plays waking sands so this must be bad but the thing is nobody plays waking sands because main decking waking sands sucks like it's just bad but there's a lot of decks that really just want something on one. And, and for whatever reason, maybe there's not a lot of, you know, incredible, overwhelmingly great options. And the ability to float two, ma uh, two mana uh, and, and two spell mana and just be able to do something, whether it's to push a little more pressure or, hey, let me throw up a blocker because I don't want to invest anything more until they after they attack. All of that means that the Waking Sands can, it's okay if it just sits in your hand all game. Because you already got the average value of a one drop as a two one, but you still have that in your back pocket if you need it. And so mm -hmm. Treasure Seeker has absolutely proven to be not just a playable card, but in my opinion, a very good card. And I've already been kind of running it in a couple different decks that aren't on the meta report and being exceptionally happy to have that Waking Sands in the middle of the game, especially as a what I what I refer to. I don't think anyone else does, but what I refer to as a burner action, where you're just trying to play something with mana that you don't intend to spend 
to see what they do and to force them to do something so you gain more information before you have to commit that big unit or commit that big removal spell. Um, and th- Waking Sands is perfect for that. Absolutely. I mean, especially in a um, an environment where we're seeing very board-centric, very board-heavy decks being played and performing quite well, the odds of you in the mid-game, mid-to-late game, floating spell mana or having yep. losing out on a spell mana or two because you are trying to use your units effectively or maybe you have two mana left and three mana banked or two mana banked and you can't play that four drop you've got in your hand. Maybe you'll play it next turn or something along those lines, but you're trying to f- find an efficient way to use and not lose out on efficiency of mana or just get to the next turn so you can pull off that combo. It's a fantastic card. This would be a different conversation if that card created said fleeting. Oh, absolutely. And that's, and that's where I think the design, the intentional design of this card where it can sit in your hand. I can't tell you. I don't think I've ever played Treasure Seeker on one and played the Waking Sands on two. Oh, no. Because I think it just it just does better in the mid to late game as an answer against other bigger units because it's got that five attack. It's just fantastic as a... As a mid-game, I'll play it when I need it. It is a flexible tool of I'm not banking on it doing anything in particular or anything specific. If it does its job, it deters them from getting closer to their win con. Yeah, and you know, it, it also... I, I think it's just so important to recognize the value of having more cards in hand than the opponent. Um, and because, like, you know, if you imagine yourself, like, trading cards one for one throughout the course of the game, being able to trade a card that you didn't generate in your hand, that, that uh, sorry, that didn't come from your deck, um, just gives you a literal one-to-one advantage. And the entire point of the game, unless you're playing aggro, any mid-ranger control decks is hoping to get a two-for-one value for the opponent's card throughout the entire course of the game. If you look at Runeterra from a big-ass you know, macro perspective, the only thing that matters is that your card gets more value than what you put into it. And that's really how games are decided outside of the the most like the most strict combo decks. Is is if my one card can be worth more than itself. And so anything that can generate an extra card in there to uh, disrupt that one for one intention. You know, if I play something, I get a two for one, and then they play something, I get a two for one. Eventually, we're whittling down to what uh, equates to us top decking and hoping that, you know, we get the right thing. And cards that extend your resources, like just straight up draw, shape your hand, like predict, are all things that are going to eventually break that, um, that parity. And, of course, putting something into your hand to serve that role or to serve even a very specific role that, you know, Waking Sands isn't a great card. But if you find that position throughout the game to do it, it was a zero sum, you know, investment like you you didn't have to invest anything in it, really. All you invested in was the least important cost unit in the game where you want to play a one cost but it doesn't really matter if it maxes out on value because so many things are going to kill it by accident later on. <laughs> well, and if you never play it because you didn't find the right scenario or you win without it, it just sat in your hand and it didn't matter anyway. It, right. There's no harm, no foul to it. Exactly. It is, it is value that you didn't have to 
and put any effort into getting. It is, I, I completely agree. And you made a great point about it if it was fleeting. I mean, that's the exact issue that we see with this ruined Reckoner that we just got, right? The idea that like you get this great card that allows you to, you know, to rally, uh, but, but it's fleeting though. Um, and so like finding that situation where you get that perfect storm where you 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 want to commit four mana and you also um, want to play the card that it generates on that exact same turn it is a lot harder to to get value out of. And if you miss that value on that turn, you lose parity. You playing the treasure seeker on one gives you that card. And, you know, I mean, quite literally, we talked about, I suppose if you go the entire game and lose and still never found a time to play it, then it got less than its value compared to another one drop, you know, but, but simply the extra option in your hand, I feel is, is worth something. So, you know, um, great card. I, I feel really good. And and it was one of those things, maybe I'd, I might've even underselled how impressed I was with that card because I just, it, it felt obvious to me especially coming from that that Tesla background and having written this entire, you know, educational article on the concept of hand parity and what, you know, the, these one drops that were being played in this isolated situation are only really the ones that are doing that because in every other situation, you'd rather have a two drop for its stats. So, um, yeah, uh, one right, one wrong. We might have to do this again. I think it'd be really fun to do it on other things like one right, one wrong regions or one right, one wrong champions or something like that. Um, but uh, but I, I like going back and looking at my old thoughts and seeing how they have changed. So um, anyways, I had fun with this. Hope you guys did as well. But we're going to move on to a more substantive uh, topic here. We're going to talk about the meta. Playtime's over. Okay, so Gibby. Meta report. A Mobilytics meta report came out today. That is Monday the 19th. Um, it talks about the best meta decks for Legends of Riterra from this new Sentinels of Light uh, expansion, so to speak. Um, as usual, these were put together from a combination of top content creators and streamers. Um, the uh, the experts Swim and Precipic uh, collaborated on this one. Um, so obviously, you know, this, this is uh, based on both uh, data, but also on the opinions of two very reputable players. So, of course, you know, you, you just kind of want to lay those sources out ahead of time. But um, this came down today. And I'll be honest, I, I did literally have already felt the impact of this being published. Um, I played six games today after work. I... Uh, ran into 50% of them. So three out of the six games were the number one deck on this list, um, which is, unfortunately, Aurelia Azir. More than that, and I know Mark wanted to talk about this, during his stream today, uh, I was able to tune in for a bit of it, and I witnessed an unfortunate situation where he ran into not one, not two, not even three, but four Aurelia Azir decks back to back to back to back. And those weren't the only times he ran into it. But that was, I mean, four times in a row. He's sitting in, um, I want to say he's almost diamond right now. He's like plat one. And he ran into those four times in a row. 
I don't know exactly what time this was published, but I got to imagine there's a correlation. And especially considering even just like EST was, was when it got published. Okay. So, I mean, even just like three days ago or so, we saw a um, kind of a meta snapshot, which looked at Aurelia Azir having a 4% play rate, um, but a 57% win rate, I believe, if, if I remember correctly. Um, that's a big swing. I mean, at least in anecdotal evidence, but then, of course, for this to come out and indicate, hey, this is the top S-tier deck, I mean... I mean, that's a reaction, right? And and it actually, even just from my isolated sample size of, of just six games, uh, five of the six games were in this S-tier category, deck lists from this S-tier category. We were just celebrating a week ago the diverse meta, all of these amazing things, um, and singing the praises of the design team. And here we are right back with the same usual suspects, plus another couple. So something I think is important to note about this from an analysis perspective when we're looking at the state of the game with what based on what we're seeing i think it is important to segregate the idea that because we've seen a deck over and over and over again on mark just happened to have four straight games uh, against aurelia's ear that doesn't mean that the deck is by and large a lot is 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 bonkers powerful it might just be a deck that people like it might just be a deck that people could rely on and they're going back to now that the meta is settling a little bit and it also helps that two very prominent names swim and presepic have put it at a very prominent position within their meta list and people pay clearly very clearly very clearly pay attention to these lists I mean, previous to this is the up until we started the show, as we were preparing to do the podcast tonight, I hadn't seen their new list. And I was playing earlier today and I looked at this list. I had been looking at the list that they had put out a couple days ago or earlier later last week after a couple days in of the expansion. And I had been running off of that list, trying to evaluate what I expected to see on ladder, maybe even try a couple of the decks. That's how I got into. I just straight shamelessly straight net decked the. The Siver Z list off of Mobilytics. And that's what I tried first before I kind of made a couple tweaks of my own in there. And I'm sure I'm not alone. There are clearly plenty of other people that did the same thing. Um, Mobilytics is a very strong tool and a very popular tool where people look at, or any, or if they have another, um, another meta list that they like to use something like leviathan leviathan also has a very good meta list most of the time they haven't put anything out recently i think the last time they updated it was a couple weeks ago but it's 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 important to note that just because the volume of a deck is being seen on ladder or by your opponent doesn't necessarily mean that it, it is the overwhelmingly powerful now if you see it six times in a row and you lose convincingly six times in a row let's have a conversation I don't know how Mark's games went necessarily against Zero Aurelia, but I can speak about my own experience having played a lot of ladder over the past week. I haven't seen really a Zero Aurelia not more than twice or three times over the course of got to be at least 30, 40 games. Well, I, 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 I just too, haven't seen it. I think too, like we're talking about the immediacy of like literal today. Sure. Right. And, and, and this, and my, the story of mine and, and my experience with the ladder and me seeing that deck might change 
as I play over the next couple of days as well. Sure. It's very possible and, and more probably likely. Well, and I think, I mean, you you are right in the idea of like divorcing this idea of just because I see it, it means it's good because like, I mean, we even saw the evidence supporting the idea that the more people that played Azirorelia, the lower the win percentage was after they nerfed Azirorelia and a ton of people dropped it for a while because they assumed that a nerf would mean that it would be bad. The, the win rate actually went up after a nerf. Right. Perception is a, is a massive component in meta. It's not actual reality. Like and I, I think like there, there is a really it's more of like a margin of error. Right. The idea that like play rate and win rate coinciding, they coincide to an extent, but with a, ma- a pretty big margin of error because of the idea that like the more the play rate is generally the lower the win rate is. Um and, and, and so and the lower the play rate is, usually it's because the people that are playing it actually know how to do well with the deck. Um, so that can signal potentially if it's got a very low uh, play rate, but a very high win rate, that may just mean that the, the deck is a hard one to pilot. And so the people that are bothering to learn the ins and outs really know the deck well and can capitalize on those intricacies. Um, but I, I, I do kind of want to uh, move forward with this discussion a little bit because looking at this list, I, I was struck by something in particular. Um, there are seven decks right now that are categorized as S tier. Um, I, I, I do, you know, and I, this is semantics, I suppose, but I do somewhat question the idea of like, if these are, if there's truly seven S tier decks, doesn't that not sort of diminish the original concept of S tier being like clearly a cut above all of the A tier. If there's seven S tier decks, isn't that just the new A tier? Yeah, I think it's just semantics at that point, really. I mean, if you made A, B, and C, just a slight or if you made B, C, or D, I mean, I, to me, it it doesn't it doesn't bother me as near as it maybe it does you or maybe it does other people. I'm sure you're not alone <laughs> in wanting the the nomenclature to be a bit more exclusive to, especially at that top tier. Um, to me, what this signals is there is no one deck or two decks that, as they play each other. Mm-hmm. has a clear one-shot advantage over the other one. And I love that. I think that that, to me, signals we're in a great place in the game. Sure, I mean... At least for what I would look for. There are... Some people love clear-cut clear cut favorites or clear-cut winners, but sure. by and large, I think the community likes when there's not an auto-win or an auto-loss. Well, and the good thing is, um, you know, we're looking at... Uh, the biggest meta list I've ever seen in this game, uh, which has uh, seven S tier decks. It has five A tier decks and it has uh, another seven B tier decks that were bothered to be charted out. Um, so, I mean, that that's huge. So, so there is definition, like there, there is a wider scope of the meta than there has been probably ever. There's been a few metas where a, a scope was similar. Um, but uh, and that just might be the writers got really excited about a bunch of different lists that they wanted to write about. That doesn't necessarily mean um, that all of these truly are, you know, A or B tier decks. Uh, but I, I, you know, how do we delineate here? Because I, I'll be honest, um, you know, I played into um, Aurelia's ear three times today. I played into Thresh Nasus once um, and I played into um, where is it? Um, a pirate uh, aggro. 
Um, and uh, I was playing uh, Beach Bonanza. I was able to win four of the games. I lost to Thresh Nasus and I lost once to Aziraelia. Now, um, I, you know, Beach Bonanza, you know this as well as I do. It's fast and it can really, it definitely can take games off of Aziraelia, right? Um, and, and so for me, I was in that fortune position of like, hey, okay, I'm playing against this um, this deck. I'm favored to win. I won two of the three games. Great. Um, cool. I mean, maybe even with this being a favorable matchup, me still losing to it might be a, a you know, an indicator of power level, but that that's okay. That that's like another conversation. It's too small of a sample size. Right. Um, but I will say, um, there was a certain level of annoyance that I felt that I, I, and again, I have to divorce this from the competitive data, the data that's presented here. The data that we've seen that's shown that there's a very wide range of uh, of decks that are not necessarily being played, but are playable, right? That's really great that there's a lot of playable decks. But if they're not being played, what's the difference, right? And And finding that fun aspect also comes with not running into the same old usual suspects over and over again. And I think that, uh, you know, I'm 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 concerned. I will express now my concern in seeing of these S tier decks, um, the ones that have been listed out, five of the S tier decks are ones that existed and were also top tier in the last two metas. So these guys have received nerfs. I mean, we're looking at we're looking at Thresh Nasus, Aziraelia. We're looking at Pirate Aggro. We're looking at Ezreal and Draven Burn, right? I mean, like, what's going on here? Because I thought I thought we had addressed this, right? And yet here they are, and it's really cool, no doubt. Seeing Sivir get this big bump, and and you and I both were like, okay, this Sivir buff is is going to make an impact. Sivir was already you and I already evaluated Sivir to be a strong hero, um, and and then of course getting a buff, I was I was honestly surprised by it. Um, so we see that come back. We already knew that um, the reputation package was pretty decent. Um, I think that you can also look at this, uh, the one that's on the list of this uh, Fizz Draven Elusives, and you can basically say, yep. okay, this is a, a discard aggro, um, pirate aggro fusion is basically what we're looking at here. Um, yes, so, I'll tell you what that deck is. That deck is a response to the previous meta list where you saw a very similar deck in Zed Sivir mm-hmm. and LeBlanc Sivir as the overwhelming favorites that appeared early in the in the meta season as strong contenders and favorites of just at the at the top of the of the list. That's a response to that because they can't handle elusives. Sure, but, but I mean continue. again, and that actually is another entire point. Yet again, we see an elusives dominated list. Uh, <laughs> Float to uh, to the top because the keyword is just non-interactive. And actually, I want to also say when we're looking at this, uh, you know, the strength of these things, we see Lee Sin back in the mix again. And, and a lot of people are arguing that Lee Sin may actually be in that top tier as well. I know that Mark's results with uh, Lee Sin uh, Riven have been outstanding. I mean, seriously, uh, I, I've been watching him stream this deck and... Uh, I mean, I got to be honest, this thing looks like a uh, top tier list if I've ever seen one. 
Um, so, so, I mean, you can even make that Lee Sin is back. Okay, so cool, cute, great. We just buffed a huge range of champions. Jarvan, Karma, uh, you know, Talia. Where are they? We're seeing the same usual suspects plus like Sivir. So what's going on here? And what is it going to take to get these guys uh, to balance out? Balance and nerfs are not the same thing. I mean, I just want to kind of let me let me toss it to you. That's that's my pitch. Balance and nerfs aren't the same thing. Sure. And to be fair to this list as well. Talia, Jarvan, Karma all have a deck in this presence in this list at a tier. So they may not be S tier, and I don't think every change has to result in an every change has to result in an S tier deck. There do have some presence in here, but Certainly. I see what you're saying in terms of the same suspects, the same cohesive thoughts and deck ideas, um, even when they have been changed somewhat, have not been changed enough to disappear to allow new things to rise to the top and to see a different um to see a different outlook mm -hmm. of the game especially within the um within the laddering system or within competitive and to be fair and and to to note that's not the only mode that matters in this game but i would but you'd probably still see plenty of these decks in casuals too because that people are still well play them. i mean we're 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 dialing in on competitive here but right i know it, yeah i agree so i mean when we talk about balance versus nerfing right it depends on i think what the what riot wants to see with the game I commend them for making as many changes they did in 2.9. And I always was under the assumption that with the amount of changes that they made in 2.9, I'm actually very surprised. I thought there was going to be clearly something broken that happens out of 2.9. And I think the closest you could say to that is probably the Sivir buff. It's not broken, but it is no. strong. It's very strong. It maybe didn't need to happen. But as, as, we, as we see these changes and we still still see these same top decks on these list it almost just says what is what is what do you want to see what does riot want to see what does the community want to see i mean riot's done a very good job of of responding to the community if the community came out and said hey i'm really tired of seeing uh, ezreal uh draven running around at the top of these lists or having a really strong presence i want to see that deck gone then you they they'll look at maybe removing something else and you also have to think about how that cascades especially if you if you try to nerf a pivotal part of a strong deck odds are that that pivotal part of that deck also has a presence in another strong deck that maybe isn't a tier or maybe isn't s tier as well so there's cascading effects by you nerfing pillars and you just have to be okay riot has to be okay the community has to be okay that if you nerf a pillar of a deck, what is that going to do to the rest of that faction? I mean, we've seen this, and I know you're very well versed in this mm -hmm. conversation because you've talked about it on a couple occasions. Um, if you start nerfing things like what happened to Bilgewater, Bilgewater disappeared because they took yeah. away some well, very Bilgewater important tools disappeared because by of strong deck in Bilgewater. You're right. Yeah. So you you so took a, you I, took I also, away a strong tool, and then you destroyed a faction for for a time being until they reversed the decision. 
and brought it back. Yeah, so I do want to kind of touch on something here, though. You know, I, I like what you say here that like Riot has to be okay with something disappearing. And that's my point here, because you could not have gotten a more clear sign from the community over the last not one, but two patches, actually, maybe even three patches about Azirorelia. You couldn't have gotten a clearer sign that people did not like it. And I, I mean, I, I'll be honest here. I thought the nerfs would do it. But I mean, both the card pool and the resiliency, I think, of the core mechanics have meant that it's still clearly powerful, arguably broken, and more than anything, actually sort of, you know, again, I, I don't want to harp on it again, but I mean, it breaks the expectations of gameplay in such a way that it forces everyone to conform to their strategy, which is it's completely one thing when your strategy doesn't, you know, is, is a longer paced, you know, control deck or something. You know, there, there are entire um, strategies around forcing the opponent to play differently, but they usually are not quite as explosive and consistent. Um, so I, I, I would challenge the idea here that, that riot, um, had a, had a clear understanding of what made zero Relia strong. And I'm not here to harp on a zero Relia because I mean, I know how to beat it even when it was strong. I'm not bragging here. I'm just saying, even when it was strong, I was beating it more than I was losing to it because I had stepped back and said, okay, what kind of strategies attack their very few weaknesses? And I played those strategies, right? But people don't want to be forced to do that for forever, right? People don't want to be forced to, and, and let's talk about this. Let's talk about the, you know, by comparison, the complete uh, disappearance of um, Trundle Lissandra. It's gone. Well, that's it's a matter this of list. the state of the meta too. I mean, to me, that's that's well, that's, that's a the, slow. And that's my point. It, it's a slow deck, and more than that, the the nerf hit the key player in that deck, aka Watcher, right? So between those two things, obviously the meta um, being faster paced, and again, we're looking at this list. And look, I pref I like mid range metas, um, but I mean, I'm looking at this and I'm saying like, is the slowest thing on this entire list deep? Maybe, maybe Karma Ezreal, I guess. Um, but I mean, that's, yeah, Karma Ezreal, I suppose. Um, the point being like, guys, the, the, the meta's fast right now and it's being warped and dictated, um, you know, by the inability, I think, of um, the designers or maybe just, maybe just not the inability. I mean, because I thought the nerfs would do it. Okay, so I mean, I can't claim, I can't criticize Riot for not nerfing Relia Azir because they did. But it somehow still isn't balanced because a nerf I, doesn't mean, a nerf is not the result. A nerf is a step towards something. So they've been nerfed. It doesn't necessarily mean it's balanced. And I mean, I thought Stalking Shadows would do it. <laughs> Stalking Shadows is still being played um, at three mana, which I mean, Ooh, 33% cost increase. It's still still good, still being played, and Thresh Nasus doesn't hit. seem to care. 
Yeah, I mean, and and to be fair, that's a noticeable difference. I, and I've, I mean, I'm still playing it, and the decks just, yeah. just as you mentioned, but that's a noticeable difference. To me, I mean, and this will, I'm gonna divert for a slight second. Sure. I'm gonna diagnose why I think Azir Aurelia is still sitting at the top or close to the top. If if we're evaluating this meta um, report to be true, similar to the FD, the Fizz Draven, yep. elusive mm-hmm. list. I think the fact that there are elusive elements to Azir Aurelia that can't really be dealt with that easily are propelling this deck to still be relevant. Mm-hmm. And if you want to remove this deck, one, I think you are right that Defiant Dance is it's good. It's there. It's relevant. It's a it's a card that you can play. The fact that it's yep. slow means you can't play it in combat. That's that's also relevant. However, if you want to get rid of Azir Aurelia or you want to really nerf it down, you need to do something about Green Glade Duo. That or is my opinion. Student. I don't even think Sparring Student is that much of a problem. I Ooh, I think it's a good a card. Take. I think it's a well, I think it's a good card. I think it's a it's a it's a good card and a good fit in this deck. But if you have the first response in a turn, which every other turn you do. You and if they have to play that, and then you get mm-hmm. the chance to do something, you if you have any type of spells which are plentiful in this game, that card you can deal with that card. I th- and it resets every single turn. I don't think that card is a problem. It can get out of hand for sure. Yeah. In later in the game, but I don't think it's the problem along with the other nerfs. I think Green Glade Duo consistently sitting at elusive and growing like mm-hmm. an attack like that does, which is what this deck wants. The deck doesn't care about defense. It wants attack. I think that's the reason why this deck is still relevant, especially since you've got really efficient buffs like Shape Stone. You've got lead and follow to recall things, play yeah. things back. I I think that's, to me personally, the way that you hit this deck where it lives. Mm-hmm. And we're seeing this wasn't on the previous meta report before this one came out today, or at least it wasn't at the top. It wasn't at the but, top. Right. But knowing that that that's a Sivir and Zed were there and knowing that LeBlanc and Sivir were there and those decks outside of the um, the battle tools with maybe Whirling Death or with Bloody Business and things like that, mm-hmm. they these don't deal with elusives well. Well, and more than that, um, Sparring student, which I do think is a problem, um, and Glean Glade do Glean Green Green Glade, golly, <laughs> Green Glade duo. Too many G's. I know these guys are. You know, I talked about this earlier, right? Like, how much value are you getting for the card? Can you basically get more value, um, you know, than your opponent for that same price? These guys rock it up in value, and so you're forced basically, and they're low commitment too. If your one if your one drop dies to their one drop, if your sparring student dies to their one drop, well, you only committed one mana. It is a low commitment card with an uncapped power level. Same with Green Glade. Uncapped mm. power for two mana. And hard to deal with. So, you know, you you have these two difficult to interact with uh units that are so cheap. And that maximize, and, and, and so, I mean, we're talking, if a sparring student sticks on one and lives till turn four, it is oftentimes from average stat distribution, like quintupling its original stat values. Yeah, I mean, you you you, you commit two more mana on a separate turn with Ribbon Dance, 
with Ribbon Dancer, and there's now it's a three one, yeah, or it's a four one. I mean, it's it very easily outpaces what it was meant to do. Yep. Um, the, the, another important note to make quickly. I'm going to go back to our previous segment of things like things we got right and things we got wrong. Sure. Things we got right. My one point out during the patch notes of what they buffed uh, that wasn't a non-champion card. Um, Twin Disciplines yeah. is now additionally on this list too, and that card is phenomenal well, now. Even though the one mana decrease in cost for that card mm-hmm. has made a worlds of difference. Absolutely. So, yeah. so we're looking at, I mean, in the in the um, seven S tier decks, two of them are Ionia. Um, you have Ionia showing up twice more in A tier. Um, so, I mean, Ionia is went from zero to hero here a little bit. And I think uh, Will, of course, helps out Lee Sin decks quite a bit, the Will buff. I think you're looking at the Twin Disciplines and Syncopation, though. And, and actually, Syncopation is not as represented as, you know, you and I, I think, think it should be. But um, but twin disciplines. I mean, it, that's a nuts change, guys. Like it, it can't be understated how nuts a twin disciplines buff is. And I mean, if you look at that, I mean, it, 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 is there uh, Azir Aurelia? Even though these two were made harder to level, you're looking at a core package that really just doesn't change. And you can slot things in and out, in and out, in and out because. Until those engine cards, and by engine cards, I mean the things that are capitalizing on what everything else is trying to do. Basically, what everything else is trying to do is trigger free attacks and get lots of things down and then protect them. So, like, everything else can fit that mold. So, if you go and you nerf, uh, um, if you nerf Homecoming, Defiant Dance gets slotted in. Will of Ionia gets slotted in. If you nerf, um, uh, I don't know, Merciless Hunter. Or Dunekeeper, something else. Treasure Seeker gets slotted in, right? I mean, Dunekeeper got nerfed, still being played. I, I think it was a good nerf, by the way. I, I don't have any issues with Dunekeeper. I, I didn't even have Mm-mm. that much issues. It was just really strong. But my point is, if you nerf, if you nerf uh, uh, Shapestone, uh, Twin Disciplines is in again, or, or it, well, if you nerf Twin Disciplines, all three Shapestones go in. Like you see what I mean? Like there, the interchangeability of tools means that as long as the engines, aka Azir. Aurelia and Empress Deus. As long as those three remain intact, and I think especially Greenglade Duo and Sparring Student, I sort of consider pseudo engines as well, um, because they're just so low investment for what is a continued return on investment. Like until those those engines get removed, the rest of the pieces are largely interchangeable. Um, and I mean, you can say that too if you scroll down and you want to look at, let's see, I don't know, um, elusives. Uh, Fizz Draven Elusives. Now, I I do agree this is something of a of a meta response, but I mean Pirate Aggro. Obviously, you you buff make it rain. Um, they love that. Okay, what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do with Pirate Aggro? Are you gonna go in and are you gonna nerf um Legion Saboteur? Great. Find another one drop, plop it in the deck. Are you gonna nerf Zap Sprayfen? Okay, fine. They probably would still run it at five mana. So it's just. How do you precision target nerfs to actually shift the viability of a deck that people are tired of when this card pool is getting bigger? And that's going to, I feel like this is leading to a discussion in future episodes. And we, we, we floated the idea. And every time I've said, I don't think we're ready for that. I don't think we're ready for that. But I'm starting to wonder because of the resiliency of these top tier decks to 
big nerfs and things that we thought would be effective. Are we getting into are we getting into rotation territory? <gasps> Don't you say such things. I know. I I shame. Uh, yeah, I'm going to uh, uh to go confess my sins after this, but I mean, I'm just asking the question because I love a big card pool as much as the next person, but I promise you just from our entire experience across multiple games, I mean, when you get to a certain level of a card pool, until you start like really gutting engine cards, which are going to completely remove something from viability, if you want something to be viable, generally speaking, like small nerfs can't do it. You either gut it and be okay with it being gone or you admit that, hey, I really can't balance this um, because enough of the tools are going to just slot in for something else. Now, I think the best case scenario in this situation would be for a zero relia to be bumped down to maybe A tier or B tier, right? But think about how much has to go into that. And so if you, again, you look at this nerfing versus actual balance, the, you know, the effect, the cause and the effect, they're, 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 I'm not seeing a consistent um, a correlation between this idea like we're going to nerf something and it's going to make a big difference. Well, uh, by the way, they nerfed uh, Burblefish and and Twisted Fate. But guess what won the, uh, the NA tournament last season? I mean, I'm just saying these pieces, they're either going to be great or they're going to be gone once they reach that certain point. Well, and the continued response with Riot is important, too. I mean, we saw, I think, a great example of something that we saw early with him trying to get right and get balanced was Hush. I mean, we saw saw Hush come in stupid strong um, and them take a response to it. Still can't believe that. See how it reacted. (laughs) See how it reacted and then take another response to it. See how it reacted and then take another response to it and find that while their approach was unorthodox on how they got to where they are now um, with the card, it's important to know that they had a continued response to it. And it's got to be the same thing. I mean, unless we see... Unless we see them just stop. Like if if a Zero Relia continues to stay at the top... Mm -hmm. And Thresh Nasus continues to stay at the top. Yeah. And it's real Draven continues to stay at the top. And they do nothing about it. Signal is sent. Well, and we I don't understand how they feel about it. I don't envy their position, to be clear. Because no. I because because here's the thing. I'm not really even criticizing them. I, I'm just more expressing the interesting fact that hey, they nerfed. I mean, really, Azira Relia got like five nerfs. And it's still not balanced. And so And it just might be the mechanic of blade dance is just too hard to balance. It may it's be. just it's it may be. And I mean, is that the result? I mean, is the card pool too big? Is uh and I and I don't I don't think that I mean it, it, Riot's gonna learn from this, no doubt. Um, but I think it's really interesting what we can learn from it too, in terms of expectations for future expansions and what that increased card pool is now doing. Because in the first year of the game. In, like, in the first year of the game, especially even the first six months, a nerf to a card in a in a in a top tier deck would often bump it down at least one and a half to two tiers because there wasn't something waiting in the wings to fill that slot. I mean, that's why in Tessel you saw 
um, the 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 core decks of like tribunal. Uh, this is, I know this is just words, but just bear with me. Tribunal and Telvani and these things. These were strong for the last three years of the game, even after receiving multiple nerfs. Why? Because they could just take the core pieces that were left and build around those. And so until, and, and that's why at the end of the Tesla's life, everybody was screaming rotation, rotation, rotation. And I don't think, I don't know if it's time yet, but I think we're starting to see those early warning signs of a card pool that's getting big, which has benefits. I like big card pools from the creative side. It means you can do things that people couldn't have thought to do otherwise. There become too many variables that you can come up with something in your brain that's super duper cool. I mean, Gibby, that's that's your been your bread and butter in LOR, man. Like you're you're always you know inventing things, and I gotta imagine it's been easier with more resources at your fingertips. Oh heck yeah! I mean, in some ways, it's it's been hard to cut down on, make some decisions, and really sift out and find those those creative thought thought provoking mm-hmm. decks but i mean i wouldn't ask for anything different i i have and i'll save this for a further discussion and keep everybody on a cliffhanger but i've got thoughts about how i would like to see them do it i've got thoughts about how i would personally love to see some of these reoccurring top appearing strong decks over the past couple of years that include some very early cards or base cards as i'll call them for lack of a better term i've got i've got thoughts about how i'd like to see that done we can always talk about it on another day but for now it doesn't change the fact that i am still call me optimistic i'm still just enjoying the heck out of this game i'm amongst ladder i started getting into gauntlet and and playing that more i'm still playing duos I know people are still playing Expedition. I haven't touched that yet since the the new thing, <laughs> since since the new release. Yeah, but I'm still deck building. I'm still creating. Props to our Discord, first of all. Mm-hmm. I know we didn't do deck name game tonight because we've done it a couple times recently. But I can't I can't applaud our Discord enough for coming up and just sifting through cards and finding these really cool combos and just creating absolutely bonkers fun stuff it's it is amazing i continue to enjoy the game along with my fellow discord members and in, in, in the legends cast discord and even with the appearance of some of these top decks from previous seasons i'm still just enjoying and loving the game man absolutely i mean i think that you know i i mean i get very animated when i talk about meta because i think that there's so much um there's so much perception again I, i'll say that word again uh, but I think also emotion wrapped up in the idea that like meta is this nebulous entity that both exhilarates and frustrates players at all levels of all, you know, interest levels and, and even rank. So um, it, it can be very easy to, to slide into the criticism thing um, because I think that there are, are, and I'm never going to be one to skip you know, just to, just to only focus on positives when I think that there is an interesting discussion to be had. But at the end of the day, I think that we should, you know, wrap up by reminding people we said at the beginning that this list, A, it's just one list, although I happen to agree with most of the things on it. Um, but it does represent, uh, over 20 
different decks that these writers view to be playable and viable. And that's a great place to be um, for whatever sphere of competition, whatever level of interest and competition and investment you have. It's a great thing when there are 20 different decks that can win that uh, are, you know, are there as a resource for you to look at and for a player to, to pull up a list and gain inspiration from. That's a great place to be. I think that um, there's a long way for uh, balance to go in the game, but at the end of the day, um, I think that seeing this these seven decks sitting up here in this S tier rank, while it may be a little concerning from the from the idea of addressing the or rather the lack of the nerf's uh, abilities to address the power level, I do think it's worth noting too that. Um, that's it's it's a significantly happier place to be than just one or two S tier decks that don't have clear weaknesses. Because the thing that Azir Rally has always had is a clear weakness against aggro and sort of Thresh Nasus as well, because Thresh Nasus is basically an aggro with a combo control win condition, which is kind of silly. Uh, but uh, and, and same for each of these decks. Each of these decks does have weaknesses. Each of these decks can be beat. And I think the idea um, around these meta reports is to provide all the information up front and let people sort it out how they want to sort it out. And if that means playing Mark four times in a row with the Zerorelia, you know what? More power to you because I'm going to turn around and cue Beach Bonanza. <laughs> yeah, and 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 this there will continue to be responses to the mint to the list that are put out mm-hmm. and then that will continue to change the list and it will continue to evolve when you don't when you don't have two kings at the top of the mountain, three kings at the top of the mountain in terms of decks that are just above and beyond everybody else, you will continue to see a revolving list to some sort because the responses to what is perceived as the best in these in these medalists. And yes, I said perceived because it's not always true. It's not always sure. what's what's factual. I challenge anybody in our Discord or anybody that's listening to this episode, don't be afraid to play outside of what you see on a meta list. Use your own list. Play it. There is something to be said for playing what you're comfortable with and playing a deck that you are a good pilot of. That is half of the battle in this game is eliminating mistakes or playing just decks that you know inside and out. You know what your mulligan condition is. You know what your win condition is when it's time to flip the switch and go hard for, for that win condition. There is something to be said for that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think that's a great discussion for the future is, is ways to eliminate mistakes from your game. Um, that that would be a really interesting thing to uh, to discuss and and there's a lot of I think neat stuff to glean from this episode. But uh, of course, as always, with any of our main topics, especially if you guys have feedback or or ideas or responses, of course, be sure to uh, join into our podcast discussion channel on our Discord page, where people are always coming in and talking about their thoughts on things. And I'd certainly love to hear your thoughts on this, uh, especially considering that there's just a lot to process with a meta like this. Um, I do want to move on to our final section. Now we do not have our, uh, our beloved leader, uh, Mark to give us his closing thoughts. So instead, Gibby and I are going to do something a little bit different. Um, so we are going to move into a topic that, uh, or a, um, a section that I'm just calling closing bumps. What the is that? So, 
one thing that Gibby and I actually uh, did at one point is we we did a, recorded a couple episodes of a just for fun podcast to share with family and friends and whatnot, um, and uh, it we didn't have time for it. Uh, we didn't have the technology for it, but it was really fun. And I think it's really interesting that we're on a podcast together again. But nonetheless, uh, what we did in that was we would always close the episode by talking about something uh, interesting that we have just been intrigued by in uh, over the last week. Um, and I always love this idea of being able to bump something kind of unrelated, um, but something that's just been really interesting. Uh, you know, really getting your mind turning, whether in a good way or a bad way or whatever. Um, so, so Gibby, uh, share with us, uh, is, is there anything that uh, off topic that you want to bump this week? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, as you said, I love the idea of being able to share who we are as people outside of the game. And I think that's the whole reason why we encourage and promote and are trying to be active on and have our other channels in our discord, which we also want to encourage people to go on like our health and fitness channel. If you guys are doing cool things outside mm-hmm. um, or, or doing things for work that maybe get you out and get you going um, things like that, or even TVs, movies, and books. Uh, we have another channel for that. Those kind of things are also super valuable. We want to know who you guys are as people and we want you guys to be able to see that into our lives. So one thing that you'll learn about me, and I'm open to any suggestions anybody ever has, if you are have favorites that you want to share with me and you want me to check out, feel free to, to, to either just at me in Discord or, or direct message me. I love watching stand-up comedy shows. Um, it is If I'm bored at home and I, I don't have something to do and I want to watch something on TV, maybe something that's not super thought-provoking that I can just kind of sit back and laugh at, I love watching stand-up comedy shows. And one in in particular recently is a guy that I used to listen to. He's put a, a couple of specials over the past, I would say, decade or so since I was in high school, college, and, and, and after uh, that I really enjoy. His name is Bo Burnham. Now, Bo Burnham just put out, after a pretty decent hiatus, he put out his new special called Inside. And it has gotten overwhelming reviews. I think he's nominated for an Emmy because of it. Uh, for a um, for it's it's a not a major category, but it's a it's a still it's still an Emmy. An Emmy's an Emmy, and he's nominated for that. He's a very talented songwriter, musician, artist um, with a really good voice, but also comedian. Um, so I've been watching. I watched his special Inside uh, a couple times now, and a couple very prominent funny songs. Have come out of that that are being played all over the place on Instagram Reels, TikTok, and even just listen to the song in you on YouTube. So two, the two songs are called "Welcome to the Internet" and uh, "White Woman's Instagram." Those are two hilarious songs that I love listening to. Um, that I've showed my wife, and she's probably annoyed at me at this point uh, from having listened to them and showed her. So I apologize, Mackenzie, but. Uh, yeah, and I encourage anybody, if you're looking for a good laugh, if you're looking for uh, something to enjoy listening to, that'll maybe he's also they're also kind of deep that make you kind of think about life and think about some of the finer things and uh, what it was like during the pandemic. And as we kind of come out of this period of isolation, working our ways way, way back out into the new world, um, into regular life again, go watch Inside. It's a very interesting and um deep uh comedy special uh, which not all comedy specials can say so definitely recommend it 
now um enough about me and my laughy jokes <laughs> dbn what is your bump for for this episode oh uh yeah so i actually had this idea but i didn't really know what i was going to say um so uh i guess i'll bump two minor things that uh really first is just um i'm really excited uh not that i'm going to be able to play it but i just love the idea of uh, pokemon unite is coming out in two days which is a pokemon moba um i'm a huge dota 2 fan uh it's coming out for switch and uh, i'm literally considering getting a switch and i am forcing my sister to download it so that i can play it on her switch um because it just looks like a ton of fun um that's coming on two days so that's cool uh, the other thing I did want to say is that uh, I listen to a lot of D&D podcasts and um, I wanted to bump um, something that it, it's big enough. It doesn't need to be bumped. I mean, I guess really like so is so is Pokemon Unite. I mean, I, I like I, when I can, I want to bump smaller content and stuff. But I, in this case, I didn't have anything prepared. You're so mainstream. I know. Right. Um, but uh, I do want to to say that uh, I've been really enjoying uh, this this podcast called uh, Dungeons and Daddies. And I know it sounds terrible, <laughs> but literally in their marketing promotion, uh, it says Dungeons and Daddies, a non BDSM podcast. Uh, which I think is very funny, but it somebody got it confused at some. Well, point. you know, they they did from the get go. They they knew what it sounded like and intentionally had fun with it. Um, but uh, I mean, it's a comedy D and D podcast, very loose on the D and D, very very loose. Uh, but it is really funny because it's about uh, um, like uh, like fathers uh, who like from the real world who end up getting lost in the forgotten realms and try to find their sons. I'm literally just like saying what they say at the beginning of every episode when they describe what their podcast is about. Um, but I will say one of the things that uh, I love is I love laughing when I listen to D&D podcasts, but I also really love when there's depth too. And a lot of ones that I listen to have one or the other. They have depth, they're serious, and I can get behind it, but it's emotionally draining. Um, and then uh, sometimes they're just really, really funny, but there's no real depth. It's just jokes. And I have been seriously loving this podcast as this beautiful blend of the two um, to the point where like I literally started tearing up a little bit and last week's episode um, because of just how even though it's an absolutely zany cast, these these casts have 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 some depth and the storytelling um, from the DM was was just really solid. The delivery was really solid. They're wrapping up their uh, campaign pretty soon i gotta imagine they're pretty they're big enough they'll probably do another one but um it's getting in like the closing some odd episodes um at least supposedly so um i just wanted to bump that because hey i've been enjoying the ride and and i've been very very um just impressed uh by it so it, it is in my top three D &D um uh, podcasts of all time and i've listened to a lot <laughs> I'm going to steal the spotlight back for just for one sure, second. It's our podcast. There's something we else do what I, we want. There's, that's, you, know that, you know, that's a great perspective. Oh, yeah. There is something else I do want to do want to bump real quick okay. that you were you jogged my memory on since we were talking about podcasts mm -hmm. and that is an outside of our podcast. Um, uh, one of our community members, Mayhemic, got me hooked on a uh, podcast called Astonishing Legends. Astonishing Legends is a podcast where a couple a couple guys they're longer episodes, so be prepared for a ride. If you are, you might want to break it up into a couple of sessions. If you are listening to an episode, they are a couple hours long, depending on the episode. But they are. It's all about the very intriguing um, myths about cryptids. Huh. 
That's fun. about all of the different ones. Like, for example, the first one he recommended to me was to listen to, um, was to listen to about the Mothman, <laughs> which is a pretty well known, yeah, uh, cryptid, yeah, lore. So I find all that stuff fascinating. So I, I think it's a couple hour episode, but I, if you're ever on a long drive, if you've got to commute to work, it's very well done. It's a very intriguing to listen to. They've got a wide variety of different episodes that you can listen to um, of topics. You can kind of pick and choose and kind of cherry pick your favorite one. Some of them have, I guess, some language or some, some, some gruesome details to so just be forewarned. But if you like that kind of stuff, if you like spooky stuff or just kind of eerie legends and lore, then that is a a podcast that I highly recommend. Awesome, awesome, yeah. Well, so there you guys have it. Uh, two uh, off-topic bumps from me and Gibby. Um, that's going to wrap it up for this episode. Once again, we want to remind you to uh, sign up for the league if you haven't yet. Uh, follow us on Twitter. Leave an iTunes review if you haven't yet. And once again, thank all of our amazing Patreon supporters for helping us do what we do here. We hope you guys have enjoyed our discussions today and we'll check you guys again next week. Thanks for listening to Legends Cast. This episode was brought to you by listeners like you. Don't forget to join our Discord community and support us by leaving us a rating and review wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. A special thanks goes out to all of our Patreon supporters over at patreon.com/legendscast.